0: Welcome to the 173rd episode of the Reading and Writing Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Rutherford. Stay tuned for my interview with Lois Duncan, author of many classic suspense novels for young adults, including I Know What You Did Last Summer and Killing Mr. Griffin. Stay tuned for the interview. The Reading and Writing Podcast is sponsored by the book-loving nerds at Riffle, Riffle is an online book community that connects readers with authors and books that they'll love. Readers use Riffle to find the next book that they want to read, and authors use Riffle to make their books stand out and drive sales. Join the Riffle community today at rifflebooks.com. That's R-I-F-F-L-E-B-O-O-K-S.com, and look for the link in the show notes as well. Welcome back to the Reading and Writing Podcast. My guest today is Lois Duncan. Lois is the author of many classic young adult suspense and horror novels, including Daughters of Eve, Killing Mr. Griffin, Stranger With My Face, and I Know What You Did Last Summer. In 1992, Lois received the Margaret A. Edwards Award, presented by the School Library Journal and the Young Adult Library Services Association, to honor a living author for a distinguished body of adolescent literature. Lois, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you. Thank you for inviting me.
0: Sure. Well, I'm sure you're aware that if you spend any time searching online, you can easily find interviews with both passionate readers and current writers who are gushing about reading many of your young adult novels um, when they were younger and talking about how influential those books were to them as, as teen or preteen readers. Uh, and I know that when you were writing many of those books, there there certainly wasn't a clearly defined young adult market the way that there is now in publishing. What what guided you when you were writing those books? Was it just kind of a gut that you were writing what you what you wanted to read? If, if there was a book, you know, that you could walk into a library or bookstore and, and and buy.
1: Well, I started submitting stories to magazines when I was ten years old, and I started selling them when I was thirteen, and I wrote my first novel when I was twenty, and uh, you can imagine back then, as you say, there was no young adult literature, but I was writing for my peers. So it was very natural for me to be writing in that genre. And then somehow I got moved from that first book, *Debutante Hill, which, by the way, first was published in 1957 and has just been reissued as a young adult classic. So uh, I've gone full circle with my very first book turning out to be one of my very last books as well. And then I somehow fell into the niche of writing suspense novels, probably because I like reading them. Mm-hmm. And uh, they weren't being written very often at back then. And so I've launched uh, a genre that wasn't yet known. Not realizing what I was doing, just writing what I wanted to write, and um, those books have remained in print for so many years. Well, most of them still are in print, or they've all been reissued, even going back to books in the fifties.
0: Sure, sure, and and obviously, I mean, I, I think we should point out, I mean, now if you go into a bookstore, um, I mean, the the shelves are just you know overloaded with with young adult novels, and most of those. Are, are much much darker than what what you've written um, but obviously the times were a lot different did, did you ever get any um, pushback from editors or publishers when, when you were writing those those books
1: I almost all of my uh, suspense novels got banned one place or another that was because of uh, parents worried about what their children were reading and but it's hard to find a book that hasn't been banned for one reason or another. Um, e- even The Wizard of Oz has been banned because there was a witch in it. So you can't please everybody, and I just didn't worry about it one way or the other. Uh, you're right. Today, there's a lot of, of much stronger stuff. I never wrote horror. Mm-hmm. I I no eye-gouging, blood-spurting uh um, sensationalized violence. It was always psychological, and um, so that was my forte. Sure. And then I also, because I'm so old now, I've had so many years, I've got over 50 books published, and I was able to dabble around in other genres as well.
0: Exactly. I I should mention as well that you also have written... Uh, children's books as well, including Hotel for Dogs. Yes,
1: I've I've written books for little children. I wrote the Hotel for Dogs books um, that were made into, one of them was made into a movie. And uh, I've written for adults. There were many years when I was a contributing editor for Woman's Day magazine. So I've had a long career and pretty much covered the waterfront.
0: Sure, sure. Well, you just mentioned earlier that you started writing when you were 10 years old. Do, do you remember what what kind of motivated you or what what um, kind of appealed to you to sit down when you were 10 to start writing your own stories?
1: 10 uh, was when I started submitting them to magazines. <laughs> okay. I, I was writing them before I could hold a pencil. I was making them up and dictating them to my parents. I never thought of being anything but a writer. I, I was just born to be one. I was never very good at anything else. I never had any desire for anything else. So it wasn't as if one thing launched me. It was just part of me, like breathing.
0: Sure, and and and, and I know. I mean. Um... Uh, I'm trying to think of how to, to ask this. I mean, I, I, know that the, the, you know, again, kind of the times were a little bit different and I know that you, you know, uh, had five kids and we'll, we'll obviously talk about your, your younger daughter in a moment. But, um, did you, did you find it difficult, um, you know, as a, as a, as a parent of five kids to, to keep the, the riding, um, career going? Was it, were you riding in between naps? <laughs>
1: Yes, I was writing in between naps. My kids took naps until the first grade so that I could um, get some writing done. Once we started school, I had a lot more time. Sure. And today, most mothers today uh, are in the workforce, and they have to leave the house in the morning and go work someplace and come back. And I had it much easier than that because I could do it at home. And I could always be available to the kids, and uh, could take little breaks to run the laundry and go to the grocery store. So it was the ideal career for a young mother.
0: Sure, sure. Um, well, I I know that you mentioned earlier your your first novel, *Debutante Hill*, is being re- republished as a classic. How, how did it feel to to go back and read that that early novel? It, to do it to go back and read that that early novel?
1: Oh, it was a strange feeling because I'd forgotten it. And um, I had to order it on Amazon and read it. It it was as if it were written by somebody else. And when I was first approached about having it uh, republished after being out of print for so long, I was horrified. I thought, well, it must be just awful. I wrote it So long ago, and it must be so amateurish, and who would want to read it now? But I read it anyway, and I was surprised that it had held up extremely well over the years. It's now getting reviewed as though it were a brand-new book, and everybody likes it. So uh, the books we were writing back then were written very carefully because uh, we were writing on manual typewriters. You make one word wrong, and you don't uh, do a, a search and change on it. or uh, You, you um, retype the whole blasted page. And so everybody who was writing then was writing with extreme care. Uh, today we could just move anything around, cutting it and pasting it and and taking it from one chapter and moving it to another. But it was it was harder then, and because of that, I think the quality of the writing was, in general, better than a lot of the quality of the writing is today. Because it today you can just slap it out. Sure. And people can self-publish it. Sure. And back then we were competing very hard with other dedicated writers. We were competing for the publishers, and we had to be careful what we submitted.
0: Sure. Well, well, I mentioned earlier your your youngest daughter. Um, to shift gears a little bit, tragically, in, in July 1989, your youngest daughter, Caitlin, was murdered in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Um, your daughter was 18 at the time, and the murder is still unsolved. And you've written about your personal tragedy and your daughter's murder in two nonfiction books, Who Killed My Daughter? And most recently in a new book, One to the Wolves on the Trail of the Killer. Uh, I know it must still be painful for you, but, but for those listeners who may not know, um, about, uh, your younger daughter's case and, and, and murder, can, can you tell us a little bit about that? And also what kind of motivated you to write a, a second nonfiction book, One to the Wolves?
1: Kate was uh, chased down in her car and shot twice in the head. And the police in Albuquerque called it a random drive-by shooting. Our family almost immediately began to uncover information that uh, showed it was not, that it was a calculated hit that Kate had learned about illegal activities and was in a position to blow the whistle on them. And we had strong reason to believe that that she was assassinated. The police would not look at that possibility. They closed the unsolved case as a random drive-by shooting, wouldn't consider anything else. And they said they were never going to investigate any further. And so I didn't feel I had any option other than to write a book that contained all the information we'd gotten that the public didn't know about. And that was um, Who Killed My Daughter. The police were not at all happy that that book was published. Uh, We began getting death threats to the rest of the family, so we left Albuquerque. And in the intervening years, uh, because of that book, it threw me onto the the talk circuit, so I was on all the shows—Larry King and and uh, Good Morning America and Unsolved Mysteries and uh, Sally Jesse Raphael—and it, it that book became extremely well known. And the police had never thought this could happen because they thought I was a writer of little children's stories. and Nobody would ever have an interest in this teenage girl in Albuquerque who was randomly shot and it was a shock to them to find out that suddenly Kate was a poster child for families all over the country whose children's homicides had been uh, misclassified. And because of that all these other people began contacting us through a website um, with new information about Kate's case, and we began finding out things we'd never even guessed when I wrote the first book. And it accumulated to such a degree that I thought, well, the only way to get it out there is to write a second one. So I wrote uh, One to the Wolves on the Trail of a Killer, And the title was based upon uh, something my old son Brett said. It was like our family had been this naive flock of sheep that all believed that as long as we grazed gently in our pasture and didn't make any problems for anybody, uh, we would all be safe. And that suddenly the wolves broke into our family flock and took off with One of our lambs. So it was one to the wolves.
0: Sure.
1: And uh, that was, and another interesting thing is that when Kate was 10, she drew this horrifying picture of a wolf coming in the moonlight to kill her. And I found that picture drawn by a 10 year old. And I thought, how could a sunny-natured little 10-year-old come up with this? And is it possible that even back then she was having nightmares about a predator who would come for her eight years later? And we used that picture on the cover of One to the Wolves. And um, it's probably the first time a, a murder victim ever created a cover for her own book about her own murder
0: sure sure and and why do you think the the why do you think the police were reluctant to investigate further um do you think it was a situation where um kind of institutional kind of resistance if they if they're under the spotlight as opposed to being kind of open to you know uh hearing feedback from from outside and, and pursuing it do, do you have any sense of why they were resistant
1: our, our speculation is that some of the things Kate was going to blow the whistle on were being protected by uh, political VIPs who were in a position to control the police investigation. We Indeed. think it was. We think it was a deliberate cover-up.
0: Um, and is the is the is the murder still? Uh, they're not actively investigating it.
1: No, they're not. Uh, it's interesting. It's classified. If you ask them, they'll say the case is open and because it hasn't been um, solved. Well, if a case is open, it means that it belongs to the investigating department and no other outside agency can come in and investigate it. So by saying it's open, they're keeping out Anyone else who wants to get involved, even the FBI wanted to get involved, and they can't because uh, murder is not a federal crime. They have to be invited in by the police who wouldn't invite them. But they also say it's inactive, which means they don't have to investigate it. And so it's, you're in a bind. Uh, no one else can investigate it, and they don't plan to investigate it. And the only weapon I had was my ability to write, and that's what I used.
0: And do you have a sense that if the uh, the the politicians or, or powers at, in Albuquerque were to change significantly over the years, that, that maybe you would see new movement uh, investigating your daughter's murder?
1: No, I... I just see it feeding on itself with more and more of the same. And we're not the only family by a long shot that has been affected by what is political corruption involving importation of drugs. And, um, that has gone on and on and it looks like it's going to continue to go on and on. Uh, as we speak, the, um, Department of Justice is in Albuquerque doing an in-depth investigation of corruption in the Albuquerque Police Department, but nobody's allowed to know what they find or what they do about it. So uh, we just know they're there.
0: Sure. Do you, do you have, um, a sense or have you, um, so to speak, kind of pointed the finger at at a specific person or individual that you think did um, murder your daughter?
1: No, I have no idea who pulled the trigger. Uh, I'm speculating that it was probably a hired hit man. Okay. So what what we are interested in is who was behind it and who was orchestrating the cover up of it. And by putting all the facts that we've learned into uh, Wonder the Wolves, what we were hoping to do is to just spread it all out on the table and let people draw their own conclusions. And I believe they will draw the same conclusions that we've drawn. But uh, I can't risk a libel suit by uh, pointing a finger and saying that particular man was behind
0: sure. it. Sure. Well, well again, that, the name of that book is One to the Wolves. It's available as an ebook. book um, I'll have a link to it in the show notes, so if someone listening to this is interested, they can either search and, and find it or, or go to yeah, the... Yeah,
1: it, the it was page. published by uh, Planet Anne Rule. And, you know, Anne Rule is the Top true crime writer in the country,
0: mm-hmm. and she
1: took a, a deep interest in Kate's murder, and uh, she wanted to. She has started her own ebook publishing company, and she wanted to be the one to bring it out. And hopefully, uh, before long, it will also be out in a, a physical form. But right now, it's only an ebook. It can be downloaded onto Kindles. Nooks or any other e-readers.
0: Sure. And so if you're listening and you're interested and want to read more, uh, take a look for that one to the wolves. Again, I'll have a link in the show notes that you can to the book. Um, If someone listening um, on the remote chance were to uh, know anything about your daughter's murder or the case, who who can they contact at this point?
1: They can contact us. And my email address is all over the internet. Anybody, anybody who wants to reach me, can do so.
0: okay
1: I I can put him in touch with our private investigator if that would make them more comfortable than talking to me directly.
0: Okay, and I'll have a link to your website as well and um, that people can go to. so thank you. great. Um, so are you are you working at this point? Or are you working on a, a new novel?
1: No, I'm not. I um, feel like I've come full circle now. Uh, I've brought Kate's case full circle. My young adult books have gone full circle, and they're all coming back into print, and I just finished updating uh, 14 of them to bring them into the 21st century and give the kids cell phones and computers and change their hairstyles and make them so that today's young readers relate to them better. So that was kind of a fun chore. And um, they're all now coming out as movies. Uh, Down the Dark Hall has been optioned by Sicklefish Films, which is run by Stephanie Meyer, who wrote the Twilight series. And we are very hopeful that that will come out as a big screen movie before long.
0: That's great. So given your years of success as a writer, do you have any writing tips or advice for aspiring writers who may be listening who would want to have their own stories and and novels published?
1: I don't think there's any secret to it. I think it comes with dedicated practice. You just sit down every day and you work and you submit things. And if they're rejected, you try to figure out what was wrong with them, and if you can, you rewrite them and you send them somewhere else, and you treat it like a business, and yet to me, it was always more than a business, it was also the joy of my life, and um, it's wonderful when you can have a career that also is your hobby.
0: That's wonderful. Well, again, we've been speaking with Lois Duncan, the award-winning writer of many classic young adult novels. Lois, thanks for taking the time to do this interview and talk to us.
1: Thank you for having me, Jess.
0: Thank you. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger.